0: Thursday is such a crazy, lazy day. Thursday has its own peculiar way of saying hey. Sometimes Thursday almost makes you want to run away. Thursday is such a crazy, lazy
1: day. It is a Thursday. Chester, how are you today? Good. You ready for the weekend? You going away camping? Well, that'd be fun. Okay. This is a good time of year for camping, isn't it? It's it might be a little nippy, might be a little nippy, but it's nice that you don't have the mosquitoes, right? And the hot and it's and the trees are st- the trees are just starting to turn around here. I imagine some of you folks up north, like in Minnesota, up in New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, up there. I bet you've already. Already seen a lot of color. Hmm. Well, welcome everybody. This is Bob Bro. Welcome to the best old time radio podcast. This is Thursday. It is October the 1st, 2020. And on Thursdays, we do a Western. And I've got a good one today. I was going through some of my files looking for episodes of various shows. And I noticed that uh, this episode of Gunsmoke that we're going to play today. We have not played since 2011. So I think that it, it bear, and there's a reason for that. And I explained it in the opening comments. I'm going to go ahead and include my comments from the last time I played this in 2011. But the, uh, the reason was, <clears throat> and I, so you're going to hear me repeating this in a minute. Uh, Howard McNair obviously wasn't available this day and Paul Freeze stood in on this uh, script as Doc. And the story involves Doc to a great degree, to a great extent. And Paul Freese was a master at voices. I have learned since 2011. <laughs> I mean, this guy, they called on him for almost any kind of voice work, impersonations, uh, accents. Uh, he was just a master of voices and did voiceover work for years. He was in an episode of Suspense we played, uh, I think, earlier this week or maybe it was last week uh, but Paul Frees is a, a was a tremendous tremendous voice uh, voice actor and actor but it's hard to play Howard McNear <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say here and then you'll hear more about it in my opening comments introducing this episode of Gunsmoke so as always it's time for you to settle down get rid of the worries of the day Get in that big easy chair, get your feet up, and get ready. Because we are going to play an episode of Gunsmoke in just a minute.
0: unique.
1: Thursday
0: has got its own peculiar way of staying in. Sometimes Thursday makes you want to run away. Thursday such a crazy. No!
1: By the music, it is time for gunsmoke, everybody. So, once again, it's time to walk down Front Street in Dodge City, Kansas, sometime around 1875. We have a kind of a milestone episode tonight. It was originally broadcast on the 12th of December, 1953, and it's a good story. It has to do with a medical issue and medical ethics. In many respects, it could be a a timely story today. The reason, though, that this one was kind of a milestone is I think it's one of the only episodes. I think it's the only episode. Now, I'm not a historian, but I have listened to all these Gunsmoke episodes many times. And I think it's the only episode where Doc appears and he's not played by Howard McNair. And I don't know where Howard McNair was that night. He was sick. I'm sure that was probably it. But they had the role of Doc played by Paul Frees. Now, I will say this. This guy probably does as good a job as anybody at impersonating Howard McNeer certainly better than I could do. But I can't stand to listen to him. Howard McNear is uh, one of the real delights in guns. Now, I've been listening to a lot of Johnny Dollar episodes, the Bob Bailey ones, and Howard McNear was in a lot of those and uh, he was just a national treasure paul freeze like i said the acting is fine but oh this grates on me and as a result this is one of my least favorite episodes of ben smoke and it has nothing to do with the story the story's by john meston it's very good the acting like i said is great Uh, it's very dramatic i just can't stand to hear him doing doc and to be honest i don't think anybody could do it better which means basically that Howard McNair was irreplaceable. All right, that's my editorial comment. Here we go from December the 12th, 1953. This is Gunsmoke, and the name of this episode is Cast. Here it comes.
4: Nice day, oh uh,
2: The wind's gone down anyway.
4: Yeah, it sure was blowing last night.
2: Uh, where were you, Doc? Uh,
4: out at the Caldwell place. Mrs. Caldwell's expecting. Still? Uh, there was a false alarm last night.
2: Oh, you ought to get some sleep while you can, Doc.
4: Yeah, I know. That's right where I'm headed. Doc Adams. Oh, hello, Ruth. I've been looking for you, Doc. Uh, Matt, this is Ruth Tucker, Sheely Tucker's son. Oh,
5: hello, Ruth. We ain't met before, Marshal. No. How's Sheely these days? Oh, uh, he's just like ever. But it's Ma I come to get Doc for. Well, what's the matter, Ruth? You know, she swallowed a nail, Doc, and it's hurting her bad.
4: Hmm. Swallowed a nail? Uh, how'd she do that?
5: I told her not to, but she was fixing the chicken house anyway, and she had some nails in her mouth.
4: Oh, you say it's hurting her.
5: It's her stomach. She's got a terrible pain in her stomach.
4: Oh, that's bad. I, uh, I'll, I'll ride out with you right away, Ruth. As soon as I get my tools, may have to operate. You know Pod, Doc. You know how he is. Oh, yes. I forgot about him. Sheely doesn't like doctors, does he?
5: He hates them. But he ain't there now. He's been out on the prairie the last couple of days.
4: Oh? When'll he be back?
5: I don't know for sure. But Ma said to get you anyway. She doesn't want to die.
4: She'd cause trouble if he found me there, wouldn't he?
5: He sure would. He'd beat you half to death. Well, maybe
2: I better ride out with you, Doc, just in case Sheely comes home while you're there.
4: Good idea, Matt. I think you better.
2: Yeah, uh, Rufe, uh, go over to the Olifreganza and tell Chester I want him to go with us. Will you?
5: Sure, Marshal.
6: Mr. Dillon? Uh, I
2: don't know, Chester. Doc's still working on her.
6: Well, there's no sign of Sheely anyway.
2: Well, that's some help.
6: What's the matter with a man like that, Mr. Dillon? Hating doctors the way he does?
2: I don't know, Chester. Probably there weren't any doctors around when he was young. And what was good enough for his father is good enough for him. Some fool notion like that, maybe.
6: Sheely always was a mean old cuss, except for his horses. He's always treated horses like they're human. Did you ever notice that?
2: Oh, uh, isn't really a bad man, Chester. He's just ignorant. And prejudiced because of his ignorance. If
6: he'd have been here, he'd let Miss Tucker die rather than have Doc operate on her. Yeah, probably. Well, that's bad. To me it is.
2: Maybe if Doc saved him someday, he might get over his ideas.
6: Oh, Sheely's never had a sick day in his life, I know of. Oh. Doc, you're all true.
4: Huh? Oh. Yes. Yes, I'm all true, Matt. How is she, Doc? She's dead. Dead? Uh, I guess her heart couldn't take it. I don't know. I, I had to operate, though. She'd have... Died sure if I hadn't.
2: It isn't your fault, Doc. You did all you could.
4: I know, but... I always feel maybe if I'd have done it better, things like this wouldn't happen. You're not to blame, Doc.
2: You, uh... want me to... tell Roof?
4: Yeah, I've... already told him. He's in there with her. Oh, how'd he take it? Hmm? He didn't say a word, Max.
2: <sighs> well, we better be getting back to Dodge, I guess.
6: Yeah, you must be plumb wore out, Doc. Yeah, I am. Doc,
4: hey, hey, uh, yes, Roof.
5: And you too, Marshal, you're going to have to help me. Oh, well, we'll help you, Roof. What is it? It's about Pa. I don't know what to tell him when he comes back.
4: Hey, that's right. I I kind of keep forgetting about him.
5: Just tell him the truth, Ruth.
2: Doc tried to save your mother, but he wasn't able to. Nobody could have.
5: You don't know Paul very well, I guess. He just won't stand for it. Well, there's nothing he can do about it now. It's all over. Not for him, it won't be. And, uh, what do you mean, Ruth? Oh, when Paul says a thing, he means it. And he said none of us was ever to go near a doctor.
2: Roof, do you agree with your
5: pa's thinking? No. And neither did Ma. But we didn't dare cross him when he was around anyway. I'm afraid of him, Marshal. You'll have to stay here and tell him.
4: Yeah, well, I, I can't stay. I, I have to get over to the Caldwell place. That baby's due any time now.
5: But you can't go. Uh, all right, Roof,
2: all right. I'll stay here till he comes back. Um, uh, Chester... You better ride into town in case anybody's looking for me,
5: huh? All right, you, so Mr. Dillon.
4: Yeah, it's a funny thing how a doctor can lose one life and maybe bring another into the world all on the very same day. Yeah. Come on, Chester. We can ride partway together.
5: That ought to do it, Ruth. I want her buried good, Marshal. How about a,
2: a cross? You want to put up a cross?
5: I'll let Pa decide that. Oh, my gosh, Marshal. Here he comes now. Yeah, looks like he's been riding pretty hard. Pa always rides hard, but he takes mighty good care of his horses all the same. He's never hurt one yet. I know.
6: Hooray, hooray, hooray. Hooray, Marshal.
2: How are you, Sheely?
6: What are you doing out here? What's this? Sheely, uh, y-
2: your wife died. Ruth and I just finished burying her. She died? Uh, just a few hours ago. We didn't know when you were going to get back, so we went ahead and... Buried her.
6: What'd she die
2: of? She was holding some nails in her mouth and she swallowed one of them.
6: Oh. Roof. Take this horse into the barn and dry him off. Sure, Paul. Rub him good now. I will, Pa. Don't let him near no water yet. I won't. What are you doing out here, Marshal?
2: I came out with Doc. With who? Doc Adams. He did everything he could to save her life, Sheila.
6: He cut on her, didn't he?
2: He tried to get the nail out, if that's what you mean. She'd have died from it if he hadn't.
6: Cutting on her, that's what killed her.
2: Look, Sheila, your wife was dying and Doc tried to save her. That's how it happened, no matter what you think. I've
6: got no use for doctors. They're all croakers. That's what my old man called them, croakers.
2: I kind of figured that's where all this came from. Sheely, have you ever thought that your old man might have been wrong?
6: Not about them, he wasn't. Hey, how'd Doc get here anyway? Who told him to come?
2: Your wife wanted him.
6: After all the times I've told her to stay away from doctors... I guess
2: she didn't want to die, Sheely. She wanted a chance to live.
6: Yeah, sure. And he come out here and killed her. Poor defenseless woman... Doc Adams will pay for this, Marshal. I'm telling you right now. You lay a
2: hand on Doc and I'll run you out of the country, Sheely.
6: Maybe it won't be a hand I'll use, Marshal.
2: Try anything like that and you'll hang for it. I'll find you no matter where you go. He
6: killed my wife with his bungling butchery. He's a murderer.
2: There isn't a man in Kansas who'd believe that. Doc's a pretty valuable citizen around here, Sheely.
6: Not to me, ain't. It's an eye for an eye, Marshal, like it says in the good book.
2: You even try it and I'll throw you in jail.
6: I don't try nothing
2: and you'll hang.
6: Will I, Marshal?
2: I left Sheely Tucker standing by his wife's grave and I rode back to Dodge. There was no use trying to convince the man that doctors aren't bunglers and murderers. I figured he'd have to experience the truth himself somehow. And there wasn't much chance of that, the way things stood. What really worried me was his threat to get Doc. Ordinarily, Sheely was peaceable enough, but there was no telling what he might do now. Doc stayed at the Caldwell place that night and the next day, too. I thought he'd be safe there, and I didn't worry about him. Till the next evening. Kitty and I were having supper at the Dodge house.
7: Matt... For a town that lives on the cattle trade, you'd think we'd be able to eat decent
2: steaks. (laughs) You should have had the prairie chicken, Kitty. It didn't have to walk all the way from Texas. (laughs)
7: That steak I had got carried. It was too old to walk. (laughs) I've never eaten prairie chicken, Matt. What's it taste like?
2: Oh, a little chicken. A lot of prairie.
7: (laughs) (laughs) If I didn't know you better, I'd say you've been drinking.
2: (laughs) If I know you, you'll order a steak next time anyway.
7: I don't give up easy, Matt. Yeah, I know. Remember it, then. Sure. You don't know much about women, do you, Matt?
2: Well, I'm learning.
7: Yeah. But at the pace you've said, I'll be in my grave before you're out of first grade.
2: Well, it took me ten years to learn how to handle a six-gun.
7: Well, that's the nicest compliment I've had all day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Drink your coffee. i got to get out of here.
7: Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Ah, oh, here's Doc. Doc. Ah, hello, Matt. Kitty. How's Mrs. Caldwell, Doc? Yeah, gave birth to
4: a 12-pound boy this afternoon. Ah, oh, that's fine. Yeah, uh, 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 that's not what I came to talk about, Matt. Somebody tried to shoot me on the way back from the Caldwell place. What? Well, who was it, Doc? Yeah, I didn't see him, and since I didn't have a gun, I rode straight ahead. Ah, uh, fast. What did this happen? Yeah, about a mile the other side of the grove.
2: I should have come out and ridden back with you, Doc.
4: You should have, huh? Well, then uh, you know something about this? Yeah. Sheely Tucker, huh?
2: He came back after you and Chester had left, Doc. He made some threats.
4: Yes, I might have known it. I'm not going to be a target for Sheely every time I go on a call in the country. I'm going out and see him, Matt. We'll have this out
7: face to face. I don't think
2: you can change his mind, Doc. But I'll go with you. And if he admits shooting at you this afternoon, I'll bring him back to jail. Maybe I'll bring him back anyway.
7: Well, I should hope so. People around here would be in an awful fix without Doc. Well, then, uh,
4: me too, Kitty.
7: Oh, sure, Doc. I was thinking of you.
4: We'll ride out
2: in the morning, Doc.
7: Yeah,
4: good. <laughs> Somebody in the corral
2: there, man. Yeah, it looks like Cheely.
6: His. Him and Ruth both. <clears throat> oh,
4: oh. Well,
2: let's leave them here. They'll stand.
6: I okay. huh. got a horse tied down in there, Mr. Dillon.
2: He's down, Chester, but he isn't tied.
6: No, by golly, he ain't. Oh, say, look at that. Yeah,
2: I broke his leg. Now, that's too bad. Well, here we are. Uh, oh, uh, Doc, I- I'll go first in case Sheely gets excited.
6: Oh, all right, ma'am. Go ahead, I'll close it.
2: Hello, Sheely. Roof.
6: Hello. You bring that crooker out here to kill my horse for me, Marshal? Yeah, now, Sheely... Wait a minute,
2: Doc. I'm sorry about your horse, Sheila.
6: What happened? That bay's the finest animal I ever owned. I was just topping him off when he fell and busted his leg. i blame it. That's too bad. It sure is. Roof. Go on up to the house and fetch me my rifle. Okay, Pa. A terrible thing to lose a horse like this. Sheila, if you like. I'll do the shooting. Oh, thanks. I'll kill him myself. It's my job.
4: You know, it's a funny thing. We always shoot a horse if it breaks a leg, but we wouldn't think of shooting a man when he
6: does. You croakers got other ways of getting rid of people.
4: Yeah, I'll overlook that, Sheely, but I'll tell you something. I don't want to
6: hear nothing from you. Well, you, you like that horse, don't you? Of course I do. Well, then, don't shoot him.
4: What? Well, look silly, that horse is done for anyway, so won't hurt to let me try to fix his leg the same way I would a man. It just might work. You mean
6: put a cast on him? I do.
2: I never heard of putting a cast on a horse, Doc.
6: <laughs> Neither have I. It's crazy. I don't like it. It's up to you, silly. Well, I wouldn't have let you near my wife if I'd been here. Why should I let you fool with my horse?
2: All right. All right, Sheila. Shoot your horse, and I'm taking you back to Dodge. What for? You're going to jail for trying to kill Doc yesterday. At least that's what Doc told me.
6: Eh, uh, no, Matt. I didn't exactly Shut say. up, Doc. I ain't going to jail. I can't Yes, you.
2: you are. Unless maybe Doc changes his mind about charging you with attempted murder. Then I couldn't put you in jail.
4: Oh? Yeah. No. No, uh, he couldn't then. Uh, you know, Sheely, I might get so busy working on this horse, I'd, I'd plain forget about everything else. I might even save the animal to boot.
2: Well, make up your mind, Sheely. I got to get back to Dodge.
6: Well, all right, but you better make it work, Doc.
4: I said I'd try. That's
6: the best I can do, ever. No matter who the patient is. Okay, Doc, you try. Try real hard, will you? I always do, Sheely. Real hard.
2: Chester and Roof made a fast trip into Dodge for plaster of Paris and some muslin to go under it. And when they got back, Doc went to work. An hour later, he had a heavy cast on the horse's leg. And after giving Sheely some final instructions, he was finished. He promised to come back in a couple of weeks and put a lighter cast on, and then we left. Sheely didn't say much, but I knew if anything went wrong with that horse, he'd be after Doc again. However, six weeks went by before anything happened. Doc and I were hiding out in his office with a game of chess we'd started a few days earlier.
4: Doggone rook of you sitting there, Matt. If if I move my bishop, you'll be right in on that crane. That's
2: the only move you got, Doc. All
4: right. There you are, Matt. See what you can do with it.
2: (laughs) A couple more of those and I'll get that quick. Doc.
6: Well, hello, Sheely. Doc, I've been looking everywhere for you. Blast you. Why'd you put a sign on your door saying you were out?
2: How come you're wearing a gun, Sheely.
6: Man, it'd be a fool not to wear a gun in this town, Marshal.
2: He'd be a worse fool to try to use it.
6: Don't rile me. I'm in a bad enough temper already. What's wrong, Sheila? How's your horse? My horse is tied up right outside, Doc. What? Yeah, I took that second cast off myself. Then I rode him in here. Of course, I took it easy with him, Doc, real easy. And he ain't even limping. Well, what do you know? By heaven, it works.
2: Oh, that's fine, but uh, what are you so heated up about, Sheely?
6: Well, you'd be heated up too, Marshal. You've been carrying a rotten tooth in your jaw as long as I have.
2: You mean you're looking for a doctor, Sheely?
6: Uh, I'm man enough to admit it, Marshal. Uh, Well, now, Sheely, uh, you just sit
4: down right over there and
6: I'll see what I can do. Okay, Doc. This, this is the one right here. Uh, try to get it out, will you? I'll try, Shirley. That's The best I can ever do. Ever. That's good enough for me, Doc.
3: Smoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Sam Edwards and Tom Tully. Carly Bear is Chester, Georgia Ellis is Kitty, and tonight, Paul Fries played Doc. Ken Peters speaking. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal... Fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Listen next week at this time when Gunsmoke will be brought to you by Sugar Crinkles, the sugar rice treat that's just right. On December the 12th,
1: 1953, the name of that episode was Cast on Gunsmoke. What'd you think? Did you agree with me? Like I said, he he, he acted fine, and I'm sure nobody could have probably impersonated uh, Howard McNair better, but boy, every time I hear that episode, that just grates on me. I guess that would be like, I, I mean, what a horrible job to be handed a script and said, here, you're playing Doc tonight. <laughs> yeah, sound like Howard McNair. That'd be like uh, here uh, you're filling in for Peter Falk tonight, doing Columbo. Or here tonight you're going to be, uh, oh, any any great icon. You know uh, you're going to do a scene in in Casablanca as Humphrey Bogart. I mean, you just, you know, these are such iconic roles that uh, nobody else can do them. everybody that's going to do it for thursday october 1st 2020 it's going to do it for uh, this week we'll have an archive show on the weekend we'll be back next monday with uh, an all-new comedy show so we look forward to having you then then we'll be back on tuesday with a drama wednesday with a mystery and thursday with another western uh, glad you were with us all week we hope that uh, you enjoyed our selections and that you come back and tell your friends, the other thing you could do if, uh, if you really do like this show and you listen to it regularly is give us a rating on iTunes or on Google Play it goes a long way to, uh, to advancing the show our listenership is still going up so that's very gratifying and I thank you all for listening we went out yesterday with some Mac Davis tunes because uh, Mac Davis sadly left us the other day. Uh, he died, I guess, of complications of heart surgery, whatever that means, but he was in his mid-70s. I'm gonna miss Mac Davis. Uh, in the 70s, he was uh, a major songwriter, and wrote a number of songs that he sang. He also wrote a number of songs that Elvis Presley recorded and other artists as well. And His music just reached to me, and when I hear so much of it, it just brings back uh, memories of that decade, and they're good memories. So what we're going to do tonight is uh, go out with three more Mac Davis tunes, and these are all songs that he wrote. Two of them you probably would uh, know better by uh, Elvis Presley, who had the big hit recordings of them, but these were all Mac Davis original tunes. This is Bomb Bro. We're so glad you stopped by this week. And I'm so glad you met me. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody.
0: Back a few months ago, I was headlining in a great big nightclub. And he put me up a couple of days early, I came in a couple of days early, and they put me up at what they call the Star Suite. Now, here I am, headliner in one of the biggest nightclubs in the country, and I wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning in this Star Suite all by myself. Yeah, that's what I said. But I did what I've always done, man, to cheer myself up. I picked up my guitar, I sat down, and wrote me a little song. Now this is how it feels to be alone at the top of the hill trying to figure out why. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror. Cause I get better looking each day To know me is to love me I must be a hell of a man Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble But I'm doing the best that I can I used to have a girlfriend but I guess she just couldn't compete With all of these love-starved women Who keep clamoring at my feet Well, I probably could find me another But I guess they're all in awe of me Who cares? I'd never get lonesome Cause I treasure my own company Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble. You're perfect in every way. Can't wait to look in the mirror. Can't wait to look in the mirror. Help me out now. Come on. I get better looking each day. To know me is to what to know me is. To love me must be a hell of a man. I must be a hell of a man. Oh Lord, it's hard. Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're doing what? We're doing the best that we can. Good, good, good. I guess you could say I am a loner, a cowboy outlaw, and proud. Well, I could have lots of friends if I wanted, but then I wouldn't stand out from the crowd. Some folks say that I'm egotistical Hell, I don't even know what that means I guess it has something to do with the way That I fill out my skin-tight blue jeans Oh, come on, where's all the kickers in here? Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble When you're perfect, never way. you're perfect in everything can't wait to look in the mirror. I can't wait to look in the mirror. Cause I get better looking. I get better looking each day. To know me is to what? To know me is to love me. Must be a hell of a man. Must be a hell of a man. Oh Lord, it's hard. Lord, it's hard to be humble. What are we doing? We're doing the best that we can. One more time. What are we doing? We're doing. Daddy. get Give yourself a Chicago morning the poor little baby child is born in the ghetto And his mama cried Cause if there's one thing that she don't need it's another hungry mouth to feed in the ghetto People don't you understand A child needs a helping hand And you're gonna be an angrier man someday Take a look at you and me Are we too blind to see Or do we simply turn our heads And look the other way Well the world turns And a hungry little boy with a running nose plays in the street as the cold wind blows in the ghetto and his hunger burns so he starts to roam the streets at night and he learns how to steal and he learns how to fight in the ghetto and then one night in desperation the young man breaks away He buys a gun, steals a car Tries to run, but he don't get far And his mama cries As a crowd gathers round An angry young man face down In the street with a gun in his hand In the ghetto And as her young man dies On a cold and gray Chicago morning Another little baby child is born In the ghetto In simple ways Quiet nights And gentle days With you Memories I cling to them And tremble till the dawn My memory all that I have left now that you've gone. Oh, what would I do without my sweet memory? Memories of lollipops and red bouquets, and twilight's trimmed in purple haze, and laughing eyes and simple ways, quiet nights and gentle days with you. The fragrant flowers turning brown Memories Soft and distant showers Coming down Coming down Sweet memories